0: to The Bloke and a Bird Show. I know it's been a while, but we're back. We Michael to...
1: figured out how to put his headphones on.
0: It, well, it was both of us, but, you know, <laughs> we had to figure out how to use the podcasting rig again and all that stuff, but lots happened, which What's... is weird. You're under a stay-at-home home, stay at home order and lots have happened. Do we have to do a quick review? Well, lots happened. We've reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Um well, you know, we should talk for at least a half a second about our final entry into the great corona bake-off.
0: Okay. <laughs> um Well, you know, for us though, it has not really been a bake-off so much as a cook-off.
1: Well, we did double down in the in the cooking world.
0: I mean, we have yet to make the Danish princess cake. That is going to be the pinnacle of the Corona Bake Off.
1: Is that when the vaccine gets announced? and we make the princess cake?
0: I don't know about that, but I'm just thinking that you know when we, when we're ready to step it to that level, we've hit the point.
1: I have to read the the recipe to figure out how difficult the we, we have cake
0: Marcus is. Samuelson's recipe.
1: Well, yes. Well, you've gone into pickle production. Speaking of Marcus Samuelson, yeah. Um, and let's see, we have had. Refrigerator pickles consistently now for seven weeks, eight weeks?
0: I was thinking like two or three months.
1: Well, that would be eight weeks. (laughs) Good job. Yeah, well, you know. (laughs) Way to do do calendar math. A while. (laughs) Um, By the way, great pickles. You are the master of good, good pickles. (laughs) Um, we've test driven, what was it? Danish hot dogs?
0: Yeah, we did Danish hot dogs, um, which has nothing to do with like Danish pastries. No. Just to be clear.
1: No, it, it, it does not. It's Danish the country, not Danish the food. hmm Um, those were very good. Very different, but very good. Yeah. Wouldn't want to eat them in a ballpark. Little messy.
0: But they are street food.
1: Yeah, but still little messy for my taste. Okay um i'm trying to think of all the other great fish pie fish pie definite winner two thumbs way up on the Mm -hmm. fish pie um including uh modifications yeah uh we've done uh a true bolognese sauce in the oven for several hours
0: yeah that it was good i'm not sure it was worth the effort
1: It was still very good.
0: It was really good. I'm just not sure it was worth the effort.
1: (laughs) That one came under the question mark of, it was so, so good, but was the juice really worth that squeeze?
0: It it makes total sense that Mary Berry would do something, because that was her recipe. Mm -hmm. It makes total sense that she would do something like that, but wow, that was crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not that I wouldn't do it again. I would just make bigger quantities so we could freeze more of it. Yeah. Because... We froze half of it and it was fantastic coming out of the freezer. So I think that's the magic is if you're going to put the time in, you got to make a, make it worth it. Um, I'm trying, we tried, you made homemade fried rice?
0: Yes, we did fry, fried rice too. Multiple that's times? That's still a work in progress.
1: Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of all the other great things that we've done. Um, oh, we did some beer can chicken.
0: Yeah, but that wasn't really an experiment. That, wasn't that was new. just We was, haven't done it in a long, really long time.
1: Um, we tried out some new marinades, including some shawarma, and mm-hmm. um, that was good. Then, of course, we did no need bread.
0: Yeah, well, that was the most recent one. Was the no need bread? Yes. So, the philosophy here. We're not going to get too deep into it, but it's this idea this of... This became
1: a cooking show, not an F1 show. Yeah, well,
0: there's that too. But but I'm not as good at explaining it as they did on uh, Chris Kimball's Milk Street a couple of weeks ago.
1: I think that was like two months ago.
0: <laughs> actually, it may have been closer to three. Because <laughs> I think we were behind when we listened to, to that story. Um, b- but the concept is you put the yeast in and instead of actually doing the physical need you cover up the dough and you let it sit at room temperature and the normal chemical reaction of the yeast of uh, producing the the carbon dioxide and building out those bubbles, that does the work of the kneading for you. Mm -hmm. And produces actually a texture that is as good if not better than kneaded dough.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And add to that that we cooked it in a pot Mm -hmm. and created a crust that was off the charts we're talking bakery level crust yeah
0: thousand times better than anything that we have done in a bread machine and and that's a known limitation of bread machines right
1: um but this is we're talking baguette level Mm -hmm. crust here um and now we're talking about new modifications to that process um like how to flavor the no need bread
0: so so do we need to do the the famous tag of follow me for more recipes?
1: Um, <laughs> probably not. I, I, I wouldn't suggest that move. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> mostly because we have not been posting recipes. True. Um, nor, you know, like I said, we did not participate in the great Corona Bake Off. Um, and we are not doing the sourdough.
0: Well, that's it. It's the great Corona sourdough yeah. energy
1: yeah apparently uh sorry new rig new bag, out of practice <laughs> smacking things around here talking with my hands on a podcast that doesn't work yeah very well.
0: it doesn't
1: so i hear a rumbling
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know the news outlets are talking that things are happening sports have returned or are returning or talking about being returned um we've had golf tournaments that have happened without spectators mm-hmm. we've had nascar races happen without spectators did you see the lift the jack that the jack being dragged around the nascar track
0: yeah that was kind of embarrassing
1: ah. <laughs> Yep, yeah, but it happens Yep. um so we've had that happen they're talking about the nba starting back up again they're talking baseball well might happen this summer. We might actually get to return to the television for something other than binge watching
0: or esports. Where, by the way, last weekend the third driver suffered significant repercussions for not taking an e race seriously. Oh, Daniel APT.
1: Yes, yeah, of that. the Audi
0: APT. the The team has his name on it. <laughs> <laughs> the Audi, Apt, whatever, uh, Formula E team was fired because in an E race, it was a Formula E race. E, formula, a formula E, E race. E, yeah, there you go. <laughs> in, in more E's, apparently.
1: Formula E. Yeah.
0: He had a quote unquote professional esports driver driving the race for him.
1: Ah. <gasps> Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater.
0: Exactly. And several of the drivers, some of which were Formula One, and I think it was like George Russell was one of them, was like, yeah, we knew something was up in the race because that was a totally different driving style than he has done in any of the other qualifying sessions or lead-up sessions or anything like that. And they had all raised the flag right after. They are like, something is not right here. And... Daniel, in his apology, says that, well, you know, I wasn't really taking it seriously, and we thought this would be a funny joke, and ha ha, and yeah, fired from the team that has his name on it.
1: For cheating.
0: Uh huh. Cheating. In an e-race.
1: Okay, so what we have learned: there are lessons from this whole Corona lockdown. Basic lessons: don't rage quit. Yeah. Don't cheat. Yeah. Cheating wrong, even in esports. Mm-hmm. Take things seriously. Your name's attached to them. Well,
0: not just that, but one that is getting a significant amount of publicity in, you know, in this case, the racing world, and is being run by your sanctioning body. Mm-hmm. Now, the one exception that we have had to this is Simon Pagino.
1: Simon Pagino. What did he do?
0: Simon Pagino, who um, two or three weeks ago deliberately crashed into Lando Norris in an IndyCar event, e-race event, to the point that and he was upset over a perceived slight that he got from Lando on the track and openly discussed with his race engineer in the feed that, hey, I'm going to take out Lando.
1: Oh, my word. And
0: Lando was leading the race and took out Lando. And despite the calls for bans and other things, which, by the way, I guess in the um, program that they use, the, the iRacing platform, that kind of behavior in a normal iRacing sanctioned event would result in banning from the platform. And professional drivers have been banned from the platform for doing that. Oh, so there were a lot of calls for Pagino to get banned from the platform for this. Um, however, both the platform, which turned around and said, um, yeah, we don't agree with this, but it wasn't our event. So it was an IndyCar hosted event. In participation in the event was by Indy, by invitation from IndyCar Okay. in this private event. And IndyCar's position was, yeah, we don't agree with it. This was wrong. It shouldn't have ha- happened, but did not push a ban. Mm. And I-Race turned around and said, since this was a private event, we don't really have, we don't, we can't enforce our standards on this. Otherwise, yeah, Pagano probably would have gotten in trouble too. And then we would have had five drivers to end up having some sort of sanctions.
1: Well, I think this all adds up to, we got to get some drivers behind the wheels of cars because they're, they're having road rage in their houses. Yeah. Um, All right. So... I hear mm-hmm. that there may be some actual F1 news.
0: There is actually quite a bit. And we meant to get back earlier, but things were happening. You know, we, we were In making con- pickles and <laughs> fish, that fish pie week happened during one of these big stories,
1: <laughs> <laughs> And I'm terribly sorry, but once fish pie week happened, I, I I couldn't talk Formula One. We had to talk fish pie for like a week.
0: And and by the way, if, if you have access to uh, BBC's iPlayer, you want to go look up Best Home Chef.
1: Oh, very good show. Yes. very good show.
0: And especially if you're a Mary Berry fan, go watch Best Home Chef. Anyway.
1: Yes. Actually, I think I became a bigger Mary Berry fan from that.
0: Because you realized that there was more to her repertoire than just baking?
1: Well, no, I knew that. I knew oh. she was a home cook. <clears throat> I've, I've perused her everyday cooking book. Um, we have some of those recipes, mm-hmm. um, but I knew she was more than just a baker, but it's actually her wit and her sense of humor yeah. that really got showcased in that show. Um, and I really liked the format of that show. For
0: uh, It was. It was very different.
1: It was different. There, was, there were some pieces of it, especially like the resets where nothing that happened before counted. Yep. Um, I thought that those that were good additions. But
0: we're not going to diverge. We're, you, remember, not a cooking. We, we don't want to go cooking.
1: Okay. I am trying to steer us, to drive us back to... I'm serious. I, this thing's <laughs> in my way.
0: Um, so. I'm trying
1: to drive us back to the Formula One conversation, and you keep taking us off into fish pie week.
0: So let's talk about what we know about the race schedules and and calendars, and we'll start there. So officially, we mentioned, I think it was in our last time that we recorded, Monaco is canceled.
1: Yeah, Monaco canceled. When they had to start rescheduling stuff, Monaco was the first one that says, nope, it's either this weekend or no weekend, and it's not that weekend, so we're moving on.
0: We've now gotten confirmation that Australia is canceled as well. Initially, mm. they went back and forth. They, first, it was, well, we're canceled. No, we're postponed. No, they're canceled. They, they have given that up. There will not be a return to Australia this year. Um, France has also canceled, so we will not be going to <gasps> Paul Ricard.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I'm celebrating.
0: And this past week... Uh, we also got word that the Dutch Grand Prix, the return of Formula One to Zandvoort, has also been canceled. And the main reason for this is, as we mentioned, I think, in our last show, was if Formula One was going to return to Zandvoort this year, it would be without spectators. Mm-hmm. And to the organizers of Zandvoort, especially given the fact that, you know, they've got such passionate. Dutch fans, specifically for Max Verstappen, that this idea of holding a race and not letting those fans in was not acceptable to them. Um, so they have said that, you know, we have waited 35 years for Formula One to come back. We're good with waiting one more.
1: Yep. 36 isn't a problem. Yes. Okay.
0: Now, for what we know is moving forward, now we are hopeful. We've been promised for over a month now that the that, that a tentative schedule w- was about to be released. We've been told this for at least a month. In theory, something may be coming to, we we're recording this on Sunday, something may be coming on Monday. We'll see what happens. And if that gets uh, put out there, we will share on our various channels. Um, it is looking, the, the rumbling has been that Austria is going to be the start of the season. Uh, at this point, we have gotten word that officials in Austria have given it a green light, at least at the federal level. It sounds like just the local level, they're waiting for a final sign off to go there, but that's going to happen. And it would be a double header. So they would spend, the teams would spend two weeks in Austria for that. Cool. So good news there. Silverstone has also confirmed that there is a deal for a double header there as well. We knew that was being talked about. That is now confirmed that they're going to do a two week deal. The question is when. So the challenge is the current regulations for entry into the UK state that if you are coming from one, um, well, pretty much any country outside of the UK. Yeah. Well, I, I, I thought, it, That would be
1: any other country. Well, <laughs> I, I,
0: I, I had thought that there were parts of Europe that they had eased that. But it doesn't sound like that that's the case. Um, if you enter into the UK from any country, you're supposed to go into a mandatory two-week quarantine. There were exemptions for, and and this is where Formula One was really hopeful, was that um, the government initially uh, announced some exemptions to that rule. However, they did not include Formula One in that. So that threw this idea into a bit of a tizzy. Now it sounds like, Um, Well, first of all, Boris Johnson has apparently gone to his cabinet and said, we need to find a way to make this happen. Right. Um, It has been announced that live sport can resume in the UK starting Monday, June 1st. Now, they don't know exactly who's going to kick off when. It does sound like horse racing is the first one. But with that announcement of being open to that, uh, they're saying that it, they think it is very likely that they will get the exemption that they need. Again, these races just like, well, actually, originally they were saying that the, the Austrian races would be without fans, but it sounds like now that they're looking to have some fans present. Now, you're only talking 500. <laughs> so it, it, it's not going to be a lot, but there is the possibility that some fans will actually be lucky enough to watch the Austrian Grand Prix in person at the track.
1: That would be awesome.
0: Now, the UK, they are not talking of doing that. And there's also significant talk about limitations to the number of personnel who can be at the track for the teams. Obviously, you know, the motorhomes are going to be fairly limited and they're going to be better. you know, since they're not going to have the sponsors and stuff like that there, they can cut back on the staff to handle the catering and, and, and those bits and pieces. And it probably won't be the full high-end gourmet meals.
1: But the drivers still need to eat. And, yeah. you know, they're... Snops.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Have you heard Lewis Hamilton's food requirements?
0: Yes, I know. So the hope now is that Silverstone will happen um, the weekend of August, or excuse me, of July 26th and August 2nd. Okay. Um We think that Austria will get held July 5th and July 12th is what the hope is okay um spa has also and, and this was one that was looking to be in doubt spa has been given the green light that they can happen as scheduled with no fans cool originally it was looking like based on the restrictions there that that the belgian government was not going to let them have the race but that is moving forward we have not heard about Monza. we haven't heard about any of the other tracks yet um we do know that they're hoping that they can get to the americas um however circuit of the america has come out and said that as of right now they do not have approval from the local government to hold any events and they're not expecting to get approval to hold events um autodromo hermanos rodriguez uh has been converted to a field hospital So I'm thinking that is unlikely.
1: It would be poor form for Formula One cars to have to drive around hospital beds.
0: There's that. Um, I also can't... I I cannot see a scenario with the way things are going right now that there is even the remotest chance that any team is going to go, hey, yeah, let's go to Brazil. (laughs) So I the only quote america's track that i could see formula 1 going to at this montreal. point would be montreal and i haven't heard anything about montreal with any kind of willingness to host her they may be they may be open to it i don't know yeah but
1: it'll be interesting interesting to see what happens but my understanding is okay they have to have what 16 races to be a season 8 8 okay so that's good news Because the one thing I did see was that when we get this calendar that's pending and Mm -hmm. has been pending for months, they're talking eight European races. So they're going to get this season done in Europe at the very least. And then whatever else they can do on flyaway races will be, I'm using giant air quotes and not (laughs) getting the microphone this time, giant air quotes of bonus. Yeah. So we're going to get, they're they're looking at what can they do in eight races in Europe.
0: So- the track, what we do know has at least there. We do know that the tracks that, that have expressed interest and are actively speaking with Formula One is Hockenheim wants to get Formula One back this year, okay? Which would be three straight years of Hockenheim, which is wild. That's weird. Um, <laughs>
1: wild because they had um, always said they could only afford it every other year. Yeah,
0: Hockenheim is trying to get them back. Uh, there is talk that the season ender will be a double header with uh, of bahrain and abu dhabi which makes sense that, that they would tie those together and we also know that as expected imla is standing there going guys 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 hey hey uh, we, we we have a track guys guys, <laughs> guys hello <laughs> race here yeah 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 here here <laughs> okay
1: can we take a second and a half to talk about the irony, kind of the general irony of Imola?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Imola, who has literally been tabled since Ert and Senna passed away.
0: Pretty close to that, yeah.
1: Um, and they've been raising their hand like, hey, we want to race, we want to race, we want to race. The, the you know, If they were to able to pull it off, if they were able, let me see if I can say that in English, if they were able of pulling off a return to emola understand that the headline that somebody needs to write is return to emola only because of global pandemic
0: (laughs) if they if they put on a calendar that there's a race at emola you're going to do that
1: (laughs) global pandemic causes return to emola i mean seriously And, and, and
0: i also see that the head of Imola is going to stand up and go after that race. See, we told you we could host a race. You need to come back more.
1: (laughs) I fully expect that to happen, (laughs) but yeah. It's just the irony and the very, it's the funny thought that's going through my head of we couldn't have a race because Senna passed away and it was, it was bad. And we, we partially blamed everything. So, you know, Hands we fixed off of Emma. Come back. We fixed the track and you know, we've blamed Emma for all these years, but okay, now we're in a pandemic, so we need Emma again. Yeah. <laughs> we need you again. So, anyway,
0: so the World Motorsport Council has been talking rules, they've approved some stuff, they're still discussing some some rules changes. One of the things that was that has been floated in front of the council and it has not been voted on as of yet is that I guess some of the, the uh, TV companies have questioned the value of the double header races. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this concern of, well, you were just here. Why are we racing here again? Kind of a thing, which I'm not really sure I agree with that. Um, but one of the things that was floated was to introduce um, reverse grids and test reverse grids at the second of these doubleheader races. Right. As well as testing a change to qualifying. Mercedes has said that, yeah, we're we're not going for that.
1: (laughs) We don't like that plan.
0: Now, I I will say that I have heard more support for the reverse grid idea coming out of these eSport races, especially when they look at Um, a a race having been held as one of these sprint race concepts, Mm -hmm. this 30 minute race, no pit stops, no changing tires or anything, just 30 minutes. Whoever is in the lead at the end of 30 minutes, congratulations. You're the winner. Um, there's been a lot of talk about how the racing has been really good in these e-races that are doing these reverse grid 30 minute sprint races. Where I kind of wonder about it is that my experience with these platforms is that all of those cars, despite the fact that they have different logos on them and whatever, all of those cars are essentially balanced. Right. So it truly is at that point. Skill of the driver. The driver's skill and the luck of surviving the massive wrecks that seem to ensue because some of those drivers have no skills.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> Lance Stroll. Oh,
0: no, it, it's not. Actually, I don't think Lance has participated in any of this. But if you look at some of the, the folks who have participated in the Formula One races, they're not all Formula One drivers. Like some of the, There's been pro golfers who have played and track stars who have been. So when I say no skills, I really mean no skills. True. <laughs> and it's not to knock them. It's just that they're not drivers and that's why they're participating. Mm-hmm. So there, there has been talk that that has been an improvement. Uh, However, Mercedes says, you you know, we view one of our roles is to preserve the DNA of the sport and we don't think that this preserves the DNA of the sport. We're not going for it. Mm. There have been some amendments to the rulemaking because of COVID-19 to allow some rules to get put into place um, without a majority. This is considered to be a minor change at this point. So they do not have the ability to leverage the COVID-19 exit clause here and, and bypass unanimity. That might change. But right now, it does not sound like this is going to happen as long as Mercedes says, yeah, we're not going for it. But if Mercedes is the lone voice here, if Ferrari has turned around and said, that, well, okay, fine. Yeah, whatever. Which surprises me. But Ferrari says that they're willing to go along with it. Um, not all the teams have given a response yet. There might be enough of a block if they decide to turn around and say, we don't need unanimity to move forward. But right now, Mercedes is blocking. It. Okay. Now, the rules that have been approved. Um, number one, a reduced cost cap. Ferrari was fighting this, but what they have agreed to, and, and the teams have all approved this. Originally, it was supposed to be $175 million. Mm -hmm. Um, it is being shifted back for 2021 all the way down to 145 million, but it doesn't stop there because it drops to 140 million in 2022. Um, and then sometime between 2023 to 2025 is going to go all the way, all the way down to 135 million. Um, And that's assuming that there's a 21-race season. If the the season gets rolled back even further, that cost cap could drop even further than that. Wow. Yeah. But that's not the only changes that they approved. Um, They're also going to do uh, a chassis freeze for 2020 and 2021. Uh, Teams will be limited on the number of upgrades they are allowed to make via a token system. Again, so we're going back to that. But it's just, again... Reducing the amount of cost and the amount of development work that teams can do before the true chassis change comes in 2022, which we expected. Um, they've also, they're going to be limiting the number of power unit upgrades each season and a limit on the number of exhaust systems drivers may use uh, starting in 2021.
1: That's interesting. I've never heard of an issue with number of exhaust systems. But I had That's not something we've either. counted before.
0: I hadn't either and I think the idea is again to limit the number of changes that teams can make in this time knowing that some of them are kind of in a fragile financial state. We'll get well, to that in a bit.
1: Yeah. I have mixed feelings about this. On one hand, the the spirit of the rule, mm-hmm. I'm all for this idea that just because you have the deepest pockets doesn't mean that you can make Yeah. You know, it's it's that same legal argument where you bury somebody in paperwork. The deepest pockets shouldn't get to bury other people because they can make infinite changes. I'm yeah. pro that. But on the other hand, you make such a gamble at the beginning of the season that you get it right. And some of these limitations require that if you got it wrong...
0: You need to invest to get out of that hole.
1: Right. And it's almost like I'd love there to be some sort of out clause. Um, You know, somehow saying, and how you define got it wrong is the big nebulous thing here. But if you are finishing the first six races of the season at the back of the grid without an accident, without an incident, you could could spend to get out of it. What they
0: have done is they've made some changes to aerodynamic testing rules. Okay. So there's a sliding scale that they're rolling out starting in 2021 that says that um, the more successful teams, the teams that are leading in the Constructors' Championship, actually start to lose available time to them for wind tunnel testing. That's cool. So there is... There is something happening, and honestly, I like this better than, you know, there's been talk about success ballast and talk about, again, reverse grids and some of these other things. There's been talk about trying to penalize these successful teams. I think this is a start at something that seems a bit fair of this idea of, okay, if you leap out into into the front at the beginning of the season we're going to hamper your efforts to continue to develop and improve the car to allow the other teams that are struggling to catch up. Correct. So from that perspective, I, I think, think that- this is a, this is a, a fair attempt as opposed to, well, let's just go and put weight in your car to slow you down.
1: Well, yeah. I mean it's a it's a catch 22 and I understand that what I'm saying is a catch 22. I want teams that got it right. To benefit from the getting it right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I want to give the opportunity to the team that didn't get it right, that rolled the dice. I want to encourage them to roll the dice. Yeah. And if they don't get it right, that they don't have to then sit on a a loser for the entire season. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's equally well, not fair.
0: And, and it's also this idea of, okay, you get it right, and maybe the reason why you got it right was this one thing. Mm-hmm. And four races in, folks have figured out what that one thing was, and they're starting to catch up. You need to have a chance to be able to continue to be competitive for the rest of the season at that point. As opposed to, well, you've fallen behind because you won the first four or five races of the season because of that one thing, and now you don't have it anymore.
1: Right, because now everybody has that one thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, everybody should have continual advancement, (laughs) but you need to have a curve for the people that got it, that rolled the dice and got it wrong. Yeah. But I don't want to discourage rolling the dice. Yeah. And that's where I think that Formula One has not done their best job. They have stopped encouraging the dice rolling because of the way the reward system works.
0: Yeah. So the other changes to the rules that have specifically COVID-related... Um, they've been up, the regulations have been updated to define open and closed events with closed events being an event that is not open to spectators in the wake of the pandemic. The reason why this is important is because closed events will see a limit of 80 team staff per race with only 60 of whom can be associated with the operation of the cars. Okay. So that is a big deal. Um, there's been some changes to tire regulations for 2020, uh, there's going to be some additional testing that's available. And uh, free practice, two will actually be used for testing of tires. Nice. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of tires, Pirelli has gone to the teams and said, yeah, we're, we're going to hold back on the amount of tires that we're going to um, build for the season. And in terms of what we've already built to get through what we expected to be the season, there's a pretty good chance that we're not going to build any more. Okay. And that regardless of where we go, you're stuck with the tires that we give you kind of a thing. I like it. Which could be interesting as well.
1: I like it.
0: Um, As much as all... So, so there's been some impact to the teams doing this. Some positive, some not so positive. Um, not so positive depending on where you sit. McLaren has declared that based on their budget, and, and not a huge surprise that teams, some of the teams were going to run into this, McLaren's already hit that cost cap. Yeah. And on one hand, they're kind of happy because, A, they have the money to hit the cost cap, and they're maxing out their development efforts and all that stuff. Unfortunately, this is having an impact on the staff, however. So in order to make sure that they remain under the cost cap, McLaren has announced layoffs of 1,200 people. Oh. Yeah. And these are specifically, and and this is across automotive technology and racing. But because of the cost cap, they can't sustain the staffing levels. Mm. Um, Yeah, I, I can't really see the automotive business and the technology business recovering to the point to be able to absorb this, but they have announced 1,200 layoffs, or in the UK terms, redundancies. Ah, uh, that's um, going to hurt. Yeah. Now, they are struggling financially in general due to the virus. Uh, they are considering uh, mortgaging both the McLaren Technology Center and some or all of their historic cars In a bid to raise 275 million pounds yeah um this is after they have already applied for a 150 million pound loan from the uk government's department for business energy and industrial strategy and that application was denied ouch yeah so we'll see where that goes obviously they are struggling also, as we found out this week, Williams is struggling mitre- mightily. Might early? Yeah, might early. Mightily? Yeah, mightily. Mightily. They have announced that they have convened a board to do a full strategic review of the organization. Uh, and on the table is either a full or partial sale of the Formula One team. Wow. Wow. So statement from the team said that Williams Grand Prix Holding Board is undertaking a review of all of the the various strategic options available to the company. Options being considered include but are not limited to raising new capital for the business divestment of a minority stake in Williams Grand Prix Holdings or a divestment of a majority stake in Williams Grand Prix Holdings including a potential sale of the whole company. While no decisions have been made regarding the optimal outcome yet to facilitate discussions with interested parties, the company announces the convince- commencement of a formal sale process. Additionally, Williams announced that they have terminated the title sponsorship deal of the Formula One team with Rocket Holdings. Wow. Now, if you'll recall, about a year ago, we were holding up Rocket and their interaction with Williams and how well things were going, especially as Rocket had just announced that they were extending that title sponsorship deal for, I believe it was, five years. Whoa. Yeah.
1: But we were holding it up as a sharp contrast to, to the Williams story. Um,
0: uh, yeah, the, the the Williams story as opposed to Williams and Rich Energy.
1: Right. Williams' story.
0: And Rich Energy. Correct. And the Haas debacle that had gone on. Right. Um Williams has revealed that group revenue declined from 160.2 million pounds in 2019, or it de- declined to million pounds in 2019, from 176.5 million pounds in 2018. And it's... Re- F1-specific revenue declined to £95.4 million in 2019 from £130.7 million in 2018. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. Losses of £10.1 million uh, in 2019 compared to a profit of £16 million from in 2018.
1: That's not good.
0: Yeah. Um, what we hear is that the decision to terminate the sponsorship deal with Rocket was Williams' decision, not Rocket's decision. Interesting. So what my theory is, and and Williams, and I think it was Claire, who came out and said that Williams has met all of their contractual obligations in the Rocket deal. What my theory has happened here is that because Williams is not racing and because Formula One is not racing, there was a payment that was due from Rocket, and Rocket turned around and said, you're not racing, we're not giving you money, mm-hmm. is my theory as to what happened. And with Rocket saying that when you start racing is when we'll pay you.
1: Well, yeah, I can understand that.
0: Yeah. Um, And as a result, Williams has turned around and said, yeah, that's not going to work for us and you're in default and go away. Mm -hmm. Um, In a way, I think this is cutting your nose off to spite your face. Um, Unless Rocket had turned around and said that they want to diminish the amount of payments that they're willing to give Williams once racing starts. We don't know. We We have no idea as to what truly precipitated this move on Williams' part. Um, rocket has come forward and said that their existing sponsorship deals that they've already announced for the W series and for formula E are unaffected by this decision and that they are continuing to go ahead and they are still going to show up on those cars. But Williams has said that they are removing rocket branding and that when the season starts, they will have a new livery than what you saw at the, in the winter and in testing.
1: Yeah, I saw a headline that said less red, more blue. Uh, I could
0: I could see that. Yeah. Um, Williams says that they are hoping to have new financial backing by the end of the summer. I'm kind of thinking that's a little ambitious. The other thing to keep... We don't ar- know
1: who she's talking to, though.
0: Yeah. Well, a, a lot of these comments are coming from the chairman of Williams Grand Prix Holdings, which is not Claire. Mm. Um. The other thing to point out is this already comes as what was it, April, March or April, when we got the announcement that they had spun off a majority portion of Williams Advanced Engineering in order to raise funds. What? So, yeah, things are not looking good. The, the team insists that they have the funding to make it through the end of the year. I don't know.
1: We'll see.
0: Um, at the other end of the grid, Mercedes has released a statement because stories continue to arise saying that Mercedes is continuing to le- to uh, move forward on plans to leave the series. And that Total Wolf is potentially departing the team to take a role with Aston Martin. Oh, um, Mercedes just this past week has once again released, and, and Toto Wolff has said, this is not happiness, is not true. The team is staying. I am actively talking. Yes, his, his deal to uh, lead the team is up at the end of this year, but Toto says that I am still negotiating in good faith with Mercedes. I do not want to leave Mercedes. I am happy doing this. I want to keep doing this. I am not going to Aston Martin, and Mercedes is not leaving the sport. Mercedes just this week, again, in the latest round of stories to come out, say the Mercedes is going, they have turned around and released a statement that said that speculation regarding a potential withdrawal from Formula One continues to be unfounded and irresponsible. (laughs) The sport has taken the right measures to address the consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic and its future financial stability, and we welcome those steps. It is our clear intention to continue competing in Formula One as a Mercedes-Benz works team in the years to come and to do so with our managing partner, Toto Wolff. Wow. I think that's pretty clear. You think? Yeah. Okay. Um, The other one who has, again, dealt with rising speculation that they will be leaving the team, especially with the fact that they have no customers at this point, is Renault. Mm -hmm. and Renault has also announced that it remains committed to Formula One despite rumors about its future after making making major cutbacks in its core automotive business. They are not leaving the sport. Oh, and by the way, still committed to Formula One despite losing a driver, which we'll get to momentarily. (laughs) Okay. There has, however, been... Um, actually confirmation. It started out as a rumor, but it's been confirmed by Mattia Bonotto that Ferrari is investigating the possibility of entering IndyCar possibly as early as 2022.
1: Ooh, ooh, ooh. I know, I know. Okay. They're going to hire back Fernando Alonso, and this is going to be his best chance of winning the 500 so he can get the triple crown.
0: That is not what the theory has been. Oh. The theory that before Mattia Binotto came out and said, yeah, we're actually considering this.
1: They're going to give Vettel a spot in IndyCar. That, that's what's been,
0: <laughs> what was the initial theory. Because this came out within days after our announcement that we were about to get to, that Sebastian Vettel was leaving the Formula One team. Mm-hmm. And that we had no word as to where Sebastian was going to go. The theory that w- that was being floated was that, well... We're hearing that Ferrari is considering this IndyCar, moving over to IndyCar. Maybe they could grab Sebastian to have him drive over in IndyCar because a lot of Formula One drivers have not only moved over into IndyCar, but had great success over in IndyCar. And this could be the potential for him to quickly get back to a winning team. Mm -hmm. Now, we have had no confirmation whatsoever that that is actually what's going on. But Mattia Binotto actually did explain why they were considering it.
1: Okay, what is- And
0: his the, the reason why he says that they are considering is specifically because of the cost cap in Formula 1 and the impact to the team. The fact that Ferrari has made significant investments in personnel and in technology around Formula 1 and rolling out this cost cap in order for them to remain underneath it means that they have to make specifically significant cuts in the staffing in their Formula 1 team. So they're by entering going a into, new sport into, to in, save staff exactly in order to protect the jobs of folks who currently work in Formula One, whose positions would be in jeopardy due to the cost cap, and that it is not something that that, that cutting jobs is not something that Mattia Bonotto and Ferrari want to do. So they are exploring other series to expand their motorsport presence in in order to protect those jobs. And it's not often that I can turn around and say this is a decision that Ferrari's making that I think is would be really good and I fully support. But this is one I think if they do it for that reason is really good and I fully support.
1: That's the most altruistic thing that Ferrari has ever done in their entire life.
0: Well, I won't go that far. <laughs> but I will say in recent memory and in terms of much of what they do for their business, recently it's the most. I, I won't say in their entire But I will say at least recently, yes, it's the most altruistic thing. And I think it it is a great idea. And it's not just uh, IndyCar that I guess that they're looking to expand their presence to to preserve staff. But they're also looking at expanding their presence in in, uh, sports car racing as well. There's a lot of Ferrari sports car racing teams. But I guess most of those are independent and privateers buying Ferrari cars. Ferrari has not really explored having a works team at those levels. Mm-hmm. They are considering it now. Interesting. So I think that that this is a really good idea, if for no other reason for that one right there, that to preserve these jobs and to preserve their existing investments in motorsport, that looking to move into IndyCar would be awesome.
1: But the other piece of this is, do you think that harkens a... Desire of uh, a hope that the cost caps don't last. So, my theory being, let's not release a bunch of really good, talented people into the marketplace. If we think in five years we're going to kill this cost cap concept, we'll still have them.
0: So, here's so th- there, there's some other pieces around that negotiation with the cost cap that we didn't mention. So, Ferrari was. Kind of barely in approval of mm-hmm. moving down to 145. Um, they, they really didn't... They made it clear they didn't like it. They were only doing it because they thought it was for the good of the sport. The move down to 130 or 135, 135, um, that they were against entirely. Um, this staged approach that was put in was a compromise specifically to appease Ferrari so because... Ferrari was acknowledging that, yeah, even though that number that that the one forty 140 and one forty five number was not really sustainable for a lot of the teams, they didn't they didn't feel that it was going to be worthwhile for them to compete below one forty. So they were fighting it. The staged approach they that was a compromise that Ferrari agreed to. and I think this is the natural piece is that in order to get to that point because they're recognizing that, Formula One needed to drop that cost cap lower. This plan here, I think it is the, their only option to still have the investment that they want at the levels that they want. So I think it's it's a decent move for for Ferrari to have presence in another open wheel series, especially seeing that McLaren's doing it. And yeah. that may be the other driver there too, is the fact that, well, okay, McLaren's moving over in, into IndyCar we want to be the pinnacle there, and and we know there's some rivalry between those two organizations,
1: just a little. Yeah. All right. Well,
0: but but I think Ferrari do, is accepting that this cost cap will probably stay for quite some time.
1: Oh, well, I, 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 I get that. I'm I'm hard pressed to say that things are truly altruistic with Ferrari. Yeah. But, I mean, I love the thought that they want to preserve jobs. I think that that's a huge, it's a huge PR move at the very least. Um, And that's awesome, especially in light of McLaren having to make 1,200 people redundant and they're already in IndyCar. Yeah. So, you know, could they have not, and maybe that's a capital thing, that Ferrari's got the money to be able to explore other opportunities when the markets are all sagging and McLaren doesn't have the money to do that.
0: Well, well, that, that is probably a good piece of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Ferrari's got good backing from the Alpha Group um, and Fiat Chrysler that, that there's enough strength in the overall organization. And by the way, if you look at just facility-wise, I mean, McLaren is the MTC. Mm-hmm. Ferrari is the city of Marinello. I mean, <laughs> Okay, there's a
1: point there. And I'm sure that the Marinello government is also remote. Uh, rem- they don't want Ferrari to have to lay off people because yeah. that is such a huge piece of exactly their infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So they're probably encouraging some of this too. So, yeah. All right, let's keep going down the news because.
0: So as we mentioned, and this is the, the good tie-in there is this rumor about Ferrari perked up about the time that we got the official announcement, and and fairly sudden. And On one hand, this wasn't a surprise. I mean, it's in our predictions. Mm -hmm. On one hand, this wasn't a surprise. On the other, I didn't expect this to happen before we had any racing. True. I wouldn't have been surprised if this had come out May or June of this year, and cars were on the track and we saw the performance and we saw what was happening but the fact that we don't really know what that Ferrari is going to look like and we don't know how Ferrari is going to how Ferrari would have developed it through an, a, a live season um but we got word actually beginning of May that Ferrari and Vettel have Sebastian Vettel have decided to part ways at the end of the 2020 season whenever that may be oh wow so the statement from, from Sebastian Vettel, as actually, um, we'll go with the statement from Mattia Bonotto because that's the one I've got in front of me right now, is that this is, um, from Mattia Bonotto, this is a decision taken jointly by ourselves and Sebastian, one which both parties feel is the best. It was not an easy decision, decision to reach, given Sebastian's worth as a driver and as a person. There was no specific reason that led to this decision apart from the common and amicable belief that the time had come to go our separate ways in order to reach our respective objectives. And Sebastian's statement was that in order to get the best possible results in this sport, it is vital for all parties to work in perfect harmony. The team and I have realized that there is no longer a common desire to stay together beyond the end of this season. Interesting. That says to me that Seb- if Ferrari goes to IndyCar, Sebastian Vettel is likely not to be their driver.
1: Mm. True. It'll be Fernando. I'm yeah. telling you, they're already talking to him.
0: <laughs> well, for. Fernando's camp seemed to think that this was a great time to use this as a possibility of Fernando's ready to go and he wants to come back to Formula 1 and this is the perfect opportunity for him to come back to Formula 1 in 2021 never mind the fact that he said that he hates this rule package and he wanted to wait till the new package came out and this rule package is not what he wants.
1: Yeah. All right. <laughs> So we have not, let's just make a summary statement here of we have not had a single race this season and we already have a very active Silly season. Yeah. So Vettel is out at Ferrari.
0: Vettel's out at Ferrari and he stresses in his announcement that financial considerations played no part in this decision. Because that was one of the, one of the rumors that came out was that Charles Leclerc gets a lot less money than, Sebastian Vettel and that Ferrari was pushing that Seb want, needed to take a reduction in his pay down to Charles Leclerc levels. We don't know what they are, just that it was a substantial reduction. Ooh. And that that was potentially a sticking point. Seb says that no, salary was not the issue here. Okay. We don't know what it was. Um, we do know that Sebastian Vettel does not have um, a ride. Going into 2021, um, we do know that Ferrari has already replaced Sebastian Vettel with Carlos Sainz. Yes. Um, now Carlos has been very open with the fact that uh, he spoke to the team when negotiations started several months ago, um, and told the team, told McLaren what was going on. That Ferrari was expressing interest. This is looking like this is getting kind of serious. And that there's a possibility here that he would consider taking an offer to which Zach Brown apparently went to Carlos and said, "Um, dude, we don't want to lose you. Um, We really love having you on a team, but it's Ferrari, man. (laughs) 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 If if, if they're making you an offer, take it. (laughs) It it will suck to lose you, but take it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We know where we fit in the grand scheme of Uh things and we're not Ferrari. So yeah, we get it.
0: And they then turned around and went to Daniel Ricardo, knowing that Daniel was coming out of contract and offered Daniel a position to take Carlos's seat should Carlos get tapped to leave. And sure enough, that's what happened. The official lineup now is Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc over at Ferrari for 2021. And Daniel Ricardo... And Lando Norris at McLaren for 2021. That is going to be an interesting combination.
1: I have a sneaking feeling that the social media for McLaren is going to be
0: off the charts fun. And the other bit to remember here is that you have a McLaren that is resurging. Mm And in 2021 is going to have a Mercedes engine. Correct. Not a Renault engine. Which, that right there, I think, is a big part of the reason why Daniel said, yeah, we're done. Um, Cyril Abitbull ad- admitted last year, maybe even going into the winter, that really, Renault had Renault their big mission had to be to prove to Daniel that they were making progress and that they were going to be a contender and that things were getting better and that power unit was getting better. <laughs> we did not see that in winter testing. And I think having that seat open up and knowing that McLaren was dumping Renault and it was a chance for him to walk away, and he knew it was a big gamble to move from Red Bull to Renault. And yeah, I, I think they did not prove that. Now, Renault has made a couple of digs at Daniel about lack of loyalty mm-hmm. to the team. Um. On On one hand, I get the point. On the other, it was... You know, he, he, he did that loyalty move. He made that jump going from Red Bull just before they moved to Honda. And he gave you that loyalty despite the fact that you, Renault as a team, let him down repeatedly over at Red Bull. Mm-hmm. I mean, the screaming and yelling after yet another engine blew up and he still signed with them. I I don't know how much more loyal Daniel could have been.
1: Well, I... am really hard time discussing loyalty in f1 i mean i'm sorry yeah it's a world that's just that's driven by a dollar and by who's doing what right now Mm -hmm. um being loyal to something in f1 in a way makes you standing still if not falling backwards you have to constantly be looking out for the the greater good the personal good all of those things and loyalty doesn't play a whole lot of part in it it's cool when you have the story it's cool when you have a story hamilton i was about to go there if it's cool when you have the story in retrospect of like lewis i've been with mercedes since i was 13 that's an awesome story but tell me that if ferrari had a car that could contend and they dangled it out in front of lewis lewis wouldn't go Nah, I'm not so sure, guys. Well, or if Mercedes started falling behind and another team waved the car in front of him.
0: I I honestly think knowing that Vettel was gone, mm-hmm. that in that intervening week before they had announced that Carlos Sainz has took in, taken the seat. Took him? Took him, yeah. <laughs> um, that if Ferrari had approached Lewis, he would have seriously considered it. As much as Lewis has turned around and he has said... You know, I love this team. They, they, especially Mercedes, as opposed to when he was at McLaren, they let me be me. Right. I, I can do what I want. They don't criticize me if I decide that, you know, between races I want to fly to New York for a fashion show or something. They don't give me that hard time. They're trusting me to make decisions that are best for me first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that may have weighed bit into lewis if he had moved to if he ferrari had made him an offer because i don't think ferrari would have allowed him as much freedom
1: well that could have been a piece of it i mean that's where he has to look out for what the best package is for him but i also go back to mclaren mercedes was who took lewis on when he was 13 yep when lewis dumped mclaren for mercedes it was He still stayed with within he stayed Mercedes. With, he stayed with Mercedes. But at that moment there was the conversation of how loyal is Lewis. Lewis has been mm-hmm. with McLaren for all these years. Yeah. He's walking away from the team that brought him up. And now it the 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 conversation yeah. and, shifted. And, and we did that too. Yeah. And the conversation shifted and said, Oh, but see, he's loyal to Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Well, the reality is at the end of the day, and I mean we had Lewis here. We talked to him about it. We know Lewis really well. <laughs> Lewis is loyal to Lewis. He is. And, I mean, he's a good guy, and I, I I really like him because I think that he is one of the most open and honest guys on the grid. But he's loyal to Lewis. Yeah.
0: So what we know at this point, obviously, Renault has an open seat. But Renault is not a top tier team as much as they're trying to get there. They are not a top tier team. And it's hard to expect that Sebastian Vettel would take a seat in the mid-pack.
1: I think Vettel's retiring.
0: Well, see, that's the the big question. And honestly, I, I think that Vettel is taking a gamble here. I don't think he necessarily wants to retire. I think he's just decided that it's not worth continuing the conversation with Ferrari. So he's taking the gamble that I've got four world championships and I'm still highly regarded as a driver. A top team is going to want to pick me up. And oh, by the way, Valtteri's contract is also up at the end of this year. And Albin's contract is, Albin's only on a one-year deal. And one of those two teams is going to want me. And, hey, I've got experience with the Red Bull organization. And Helmut Marko loves me. And mm-hmm. Dietrich Manischitz loves me. And, unfortunately, Helmut Marko, within days, came out and said a, a return of Sebastian Vettel to Red Bull is not happening. Mm. They, have, they ruled that out very quick. They cannot afford him. They do not want him. Um, And I think some of that is because they probably feel betrayed by Sebastian for for him leaving them and going to Ferrari in the first place. Um, So then the next question, shockingly enough, in this time, Toto Wolf, Toto and Susie did a live interview, um, and Toto was asked about this. Now, Toto has said that, yeah, we kind of have to consider the fact that Sebastian is open and he's available, but our commitment is deciding between... Either Valtteri Bodis or George Russell. Mm. To which George is going,
1: yes!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, what initially actually struck me as surprising wasn't so much that he said that it was Valtteri or George Russell. It was the fact that Esteban Ocon was not named. But no. Alkhan
1: had to be fully released from his Mercedes. He, he
0: did, and 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 the fact that Toto turn is not trying to pull him back, mm-hmm. um, especially since Toto manages him. Uh, on one hand, it was a little surprising that that he has actually let go of the fact that Esteban was going to come back to Mercedes. Um, but just the fact that that Esteban was not mentioned was a little surprising to me. I get it, and I and I and I. Um, but that's the, the other question is, well, okay, if, if Mercedes is turning around and saying that's where our focus is, that's the top tier gone for Seb. Mm-hmm. So Renault's got an opening. There's been rumors. This, this is your Fernando Alonso rumor. There's been rumors that there have been some discussions that, of Renault bringing Fernan- trying to bring Fernando back. Oh my! I, I think Renault would be kind of stupid to go this route, so I'm not sure that this is going to happen.
1: Well, that means it's going to happen.
0: Fernando and his attitude of these rules suck. Yeah, we're going to mock him incessantly if he goes that route. Um, but there's enough of a young driver market there that I'm not sure that that's a great answer either. True. But you've also got to think. Well, what's going to happen down at Haas? <laughs> But again, for Seb, his options are at this point worse and worse.
1: Yeah, it it the pool is na- narrowing. The I mean, I hate to say this, but you rolled. Uh, I go back to you rolled the dice. Mm-hmm. You rolled the dice, and retirement doesn't seem like it's that bad of an idea right now. Yeah, you know, pull a Nico Rosberg and pack up your toys and go home. Indy car or. Join
0: IndyCar. I would be happy for him to go to IndyCar. I think that would be really interesting.
1: I think it would be cool. I think it would be very, very interesting because of the balanced nature of the cars. I
0: I would even go so far, and and we, I haven't heard, other than the fact that we know Seb likes English-speaking countries. We know Mm -hmm. he's a big Anglophile, and as much as he doesn't live in, in the UK, apparently he embraces English culture very much. We've heard he, he likes the U.S. I don't know how much. I don't know how much time he spends there because he's as private as he is. But I would go so far as to say, much like when Fernando Alonso moved to IndyCar, if Seb moved to IndyCar, I'd root for him. Mm-hmm. I think that would be cool to have a driver of, yes, we're not fans of Sebastian Vettel in Formula, but he's a good driver. He is a driver of very high caliber. Mm-hmm. I think there's value to IndyCar to have Seb come over. Maybe not value to Seb to come to IndyCar, but there's value in IndyCar to have Seb come over. True. So I would I would root for Seb over in IndyCar. Other I, news.
1: I'm I'm still doubling down on Alexander Rossi.
0: That that's fair. That is totally fair. It'd be a. a that's and, where and, I think and, that would and, be a
1: cool cool race. That would be to cool. see Rossi up against vettel even throw her uh fernando in the mix of that because the cars are balanced cars i want to are see balanced. who Rossi's the drivers
0: had great success over an indy car and the fact that you would have rossi as the veteran indy car and, and Beto, Vettel would be a rookie, a rookie. <laughs> he'd, have have, the, he'd have the yellow number he'd have the <laughs> r
1: behind his name it yeah. would be awesome <laughs> It would be. I think that would be super cool.
0: So in other news, with all that is going on, um, Panthera Team Asia Formula One is trying to enter the series. Cool. They are targeting 2022 when the new regulations come into force. So that's the lower cost cap. That is the fully redesigned. Um, I haven't heard anything about what engines that they would want to run. Um, We don't know whether or not they have... Um, the baseline requirements in place, but they're working on it. So we'll keep an eye and see if they do that. Cool. And in our last story. Our last story. You thought that now that Force India has been sold and does not exist as an organization and that it has gone bust, you thought you have heard the last of the financial stylings of one Malia. However, word came out at the beginning of uh, or excuse me, the end of April that VJ Malia, former team principal and owner of the Force India Formula One team um, who has been in hiding in the UK for years now. Mm-hmm. Um, really, his movements were constrained between his house and his swimming pool. <laughs> he couldn't even go to the Force India plant. I don't even think he could go to Silverstone to watch the race anymore. Um Because if the Indian government got their hands on him, they were taking him back. Um, He lost his extradition appeal on uh, April twentieth, and it looked like he was set to get sent back to India to face uh, uh, charges in India for financial misconduct and fraud related to Kingfisher Airlines, which collapsed back in twenty twelve with more than one billion with a B dollars in unpaid loans. Wow. Um, lost his appeal on April 20th. Um, however, word came out on May 7th that the extradition has now been delayed. Coronavirus? Um, we don't know. All we know is that the UK Home Office has delayed his extradition for, quote, legal reasons. Oh. The speculation is that he has applied for asylum in Britain. hmm <laughs> Um, that is one. The other is is the thought that because there's apparently several civil lawsuits in the UK against him, and that because those haven't been wrapped up, they don't want to let him out of the country so that they can close that those out before they send him off to somebody else so that they can have their way with him.
1: Oh my!
0: Yeah. So um, he can't leave for he can't be shipped to India until Home Secretary. Pretty Patel signs off on it and she has not yet done so. Oh, my. You would think
1: he's kind of the gift that keeps on giving.
0: (laughs) Well, only from from the fact that these law cases keep dragging on. He hasn't said anything lately.
1: Uh, True, true. He, I mean, he used to be, well, okay, we've had a few, um, you know, people that we could pick on consistently yeah and they've started to fall away out of our formula we
0: lost Monisha
1: we we lost Monisha right after I got
0: that great sad Monisha picture too I know such a
1: shame we've now lost VJ. we've lost William's story yeah I mean all of our we're losing Fernando, even though he keeps popping up like a bad whack-a-mole
0: game he, he won't go away um hey hey speak about stories of losing Autosport, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you're going to need to register on a site for free, but you've got to register with Autosport. They did a really good story a couple of weeks ago about how, and, and really the best way to put this, how Formula One lost Long Beach. Oh. Um, and, and the fact that Long Beach was just starting to pick up as a city and go through some redevelopment and have some massive success, um, but they couldn't sustain bernie eccleston's escalator fees and they went to bernie and said you need to change your fees because we can't continue to host and bernie said no and cart came to them and said we'd love to have your have the race there we'd love to continue the tradition of the long beach grand prix if you'll have us and sure enough they signed the deal and bernie went to them they the, the following year was the last year of, of the Formula One race, and Bernie went to the organizers and said, um, you didn't tell me that you were in such financial straits. Formula One wants to be here. I wish you had been more clear to me. I would have made changes. I would have lowered. I would have done all of this stuff. And Long Beach said, we came to you. You told us no. Too bad. So sad.
1: <laughs> we weren't lying.
0: And as a result, the... What is now the IndyCar race in Long Beach is a highlight of the year in Long Beach. And downtown Long Beach has had a major revitalization and all of that in no small part to this race. Hmm. And Formula One could not be a part of it and now continues to struggle in the U.S. until they head COTA.
1: Well, the thing is, I would, I would theorize That even had Bernie done what he said he would have done had he understood.
0: It wouldn't have stuck.
1: Well, I don't think that they would have gotten the revitalization that they got with Indy. Because Indy appears, at least on their surface, to care about their venues a wee bit more than Bernie ever did.
0: Yeah, that's the thing.
1: Um, And on that note, because we can always slam Bernie.
0: (laughs) We'll see when we, we, we don't know yet when we will have our next show. Uh, It will depend on the news of the coming weeks and our schedules, but it looks
1: like... how much Corona baking we start doing.
0: It looks like we may get a bit more regular with the show in the coming weeks, but we shall see.
1: And on that note...
0: We'll call it a show